Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John is in the New Testament, fourth book in your New Testament. We're looking at chapter 14 today. In fact, we're going to do quite a bit of Bible flipping today. And in fact, you might even find that it's easier to have a paper Bible today than a phone to be scrolling with today. Uh, But uh, either way, you want your Bibles in front of you as we get into the Word of God. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14, verse 27 together. That's where we're going to start And I'm really excited because today we are continuing a series that we just started last week called the God and Me Experience Message Series. Everyone say the God and Me Experience, also known as the game. And the whole point of this series is to to ask this question, how do you experience more of God in your life? We really believe this here at Thrive, is that God is wanting you to experience more of him. Is that you weren't made just to know God from afar. You weren't just made to know God on an intellectual level, but you were made to know God on an intimate level. To know him personally, you were made to experience God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made to experience God. And so in this series that we're talking about, we're talking about how do you experience more of God in your life? Last week, we talked about how do you experience more of God when you're worshiping with others, talked about how in Jesus Christ, we are children of God who are loved and righteous in his sight. We are heirs to his kingdom. We are priests and we are participants. Do I have a church of participants here in this place today? Amen. You got participants here? Turn to me and say, I see you're, you're, you look like a participant. So I want you to participate as we get in the Word of God. I want you to participate by reading the Word of God with me. But let me set up what we're talking about this morning. See, this morning, the message I'm here to share with you is one that I think is going to really help many of you in this place this morning. The message I'm here to share with you was entitled, Experiencing God's Peace When You're Stressed. Are you going through a stressful time right now? Maybe you've got midterms next week. Maybe you've got exams very, very soon. Maybe you're going through a stressful time in a relationship you care about. Maybe work is really stressful. Maybe the future is uncertain. And so there's certain stress related to that. If you find yourself in that place this morning, then this message is for you. If you find that you're easily frustrated with life right now, if you find yourself easily annoyed or irritable these days, if you find that you're overwhelmed by situations that are beyond your control, then this message is for you. Today I want to share with you about experience Experiencing God's peace when you are stressed. And let me tell you this. Look at me right now. If you take this message to heart and you apply the lessons we're going to be talking about today, you're going to find that something's going to happen in your life right away. Is that you're going to find that you're not as easily overwhelmed by circumstances in your life. You're going to find that you're going to be less prone to worrying, less prone to panicking, less prone to being anxious about your life. You're going to find that you're less nervous and more confident when you face situations that might be unfamiliar to you. And so let's talk today about experiencing God's peace when you're stressed. Look with me at John chapter 14, verse 27 together. Read in the big loud voice with me. One, two, three, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Uh, I, I got a church of participants in this place today, right? I do? Do I? Yeah? Let's read it with a big loud voice, like 10 times louder. One, two, three, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, who's speaking here in John chapter 14, 27? His name is Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus. And see, Jesus, he's giving this amazing promise. He's saying, I'm here to give you peace. Everyone say peace. And see, here's the thing. Jesus says, the peace that I give is different from the peace that the world offers. See, what's the difference between the peace that you find in Jesus compared to the peace that the world offers to you? Let me tell you what the difference is. See, the peace that the world offers is very often an escape from your trouble. You're going through a stressful time, and you just need an escape. And that's the kind of peace the world offers. You know, go on that vacation, watch that video, hang out with those people, take this drug, and it's just this temporary, momentary escape from whatever problem you're going through. That's the peace that the world offers. The peace that Jesus gives is not like that. See, it doesn't just take you away from your trouble. It takes you through your trouble. Amen is that it's a peace that protects you from worry. It's a peace that gives you a new perspective on the situation that you're facing. It's a peace that gives you peace or confidence and sets you free from fear in a situation where you otherwise might be very anxious. It's a peace that helps you to make the right decisions. It's not just an escape, but Jesus and the peace he gives you allows you to go through the trouble and not just away from it. You know, you're going to find that when the world gives you peace, it is fleeting. It is temporary. It is there and it's gone 
right away. It doesn't last. But the peace that Jesus gives to you is the longest lasting, most effective peace you can ever experience. And the reason for all these differences is because of one thing. The peace that the world offers is based on your circumstances. And how do you know circumstances come and go? Circumstances change all the time. But the peace that Jesus gives you is not based on circumstances. It's based on a relationship with him. Amen. And see, if it's based on a relationship with him and you've got a relationship with Jesus and you take that relationship wherever you go, what that means is you might be going through the toughest time of your life, but you can still experience peace because you have Jesus. You know, another way of putting it is this, is that the peace that the world gives starts from the outside in. It's like you're depending on stuff around you, outside of you, to make you feel peaceful on the inside. And when the outside stuff changes, you don't feel peaceful anymore. But see, the peace that Jesus gives is the opposite. It doesn't start from the outside in. It starts from the inside out. When you've got Jesus in your life, you've got a relationship with Jesus, you've got Jesus in your heart, the peace starts from the inside, and it flows out into every circumstance that you encounter. If you believe that, say amen. How do you experience the peace that Jesus offers? We're going to talk about that today. Why don't you write this down? This one is so important. Write this down. Before you can experience much of the peace of God, you first need to make peace with God. What do I mean by that? Before you experience much of the peace of God, you first need to experience or make peace with God. Back in high school, I had a friend, and uh, he was one of the most athletic well-rounded guys I knew, super smart, worked hard, good-looking, the most athletic Asian guy I knew, and he had a goal in life. He wanted to be a medical doctor, and he made it his life goal to get into medical school as soon as he could, but for some reason, no matter how many times he took the MCAT, no matter how many times he studied, no matter how many ways he tried, the doors to medical school would, for some reason, never open, and as a result, you know what his reaction was? He was very stressed. He was very frustrated. He was you know, almost depressed because of all that he was trying to do and nothing was working. And you know, he tried all sorts of ways to find peace during that time, all sorts of ways that the world offers, but nothing gave him lasting peace. You know, one day, you know, I, I was eating with him. We were you know, in my house. We were just kind of like sitting in the backyard, and we're eating these Subway sandwiches. And it was during that time that I had a chance to share with my friend about Jesus, how you know, Jesus came to give us a peace that the world cannot offer, how Jesus died on the cross for our sins, when we were enemies of God, when we turned our backs on him, when we'd done things our way, not God's way, when we were separated from God, we were enemies, the Bible says. But because God didn't want to be apart from us, because God didn't want to be our enemy, but he wanted to be our friend, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He rose again from the grave so that Jesus is no ordinary man, but he is who he claims to be, the son of God, and he's alive today. And when you place your your heart and your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, you experience a peace that the world cannot offer. If you believe that, say amen. And you know, as a result of that conversation, shortly after that, my friend, he opened up his heart to Jesus, and it's amazing. From that day forward, there was this noticeable peace on his life that he didn't have before. His demeanor changed. This smart, well-rounded, athletic guy, he went from being really worried to being full of peace. He went from being pretty brash and cocky from time to time to being one of the most humble, gentlest guys that I know. You know, and several years later, he decided that you know, I, I, you know, I've grown my relationship with God. You know, I think I'm ready to try with a healthier perspective getting into medical school. And so he tried again. You know what happened? He got in. And, this, and now to this day, he's still practicing as a medical doctor. His wife is a medical doctor. They've got three amazing kids. And they all have the peace of Jesus in their heart. It's as if God wanted my friend to experience the peace that comes from him before he would open any other door in his life. That's how important God wants, that's how much God wants you to experience his peace. If you believe that, say amen. See, before my friend could experience the peace of God, he had to make peace with God. Question for you today, have you made peace with God? You maybe you've been to church before, maybe you've read a little bit of the Bible, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus and said, God, I want to make peace with you. I want to receive the gift that I could not earn by my good deeds or all my efforts. I just want to receive Jesus into my life. And in so doing, we make peace with God, and in so doing, we can start to experience the peace of God that the world cannot give. Look at Romans 5, verse 1 with me. Read in a big, loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. See, how many of us know this? If you are a Christian today, 
you got Jesus in your heart, does that mean that from that day on, you will never go through stressful situations? Of course not. Of course not. You will go through trouble, Jesus says. But the thing is this. If you will learn the couple things I'm going to be teaching you this morning, you're going to find that your relationship with God, which you receive as a gift from God, is like a muscle. You know, you, the muscles in your arms right now, those, you did not make yourself. You didn't manufacture those muscles. Those muscles were given to you. But it's up to you how much you work those muscles. And how much of God's peace you experience in many ways depends on how much you work out your relationship with God. If you believe that, say amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. What are some practical steps you can take to experience more of the peace of God in your life? And you're going to find this, is that when you take this lesson to heart, it's going to help you practice the peace of God in your life like never before. Look at 1 Chronicles 16, 30 to 34 with me. Read in a big, loud voice with me. Help me preach in this place this morning. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you guys read while I take a drink of water. Read it with me right now in a big, loud voice, 10 times louder than anything you've read so far. One, two, three, it says, tremble before him. Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Many of you guys know First Chronicles 16 is a book that we're studying together as a church. Many of you guys are doing the game time challenge together right now, every day spending time in the word of God, every day learning to pray. We've been going through the book of First Chronicles. In fact, this past week we looked at this book together. I want you to take a look at verse 30. Look, look at verse 30 one more time, and I want you to read this out with me in a big loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Trem- before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. You know, long, long time ago when I was still studying at UBC, once I was taking a class where the professor took out a Bible and he quoted this verse, verse 30. He said, tremble before all the Lord. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Then he closed the Bible and you know what he said? Class, this is proof that the Bible is wrong. Don't you know? The earth revolves around the sun. The earth does move. Therefore, when this verse in verse 30 says that the earth cannot be moved or the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved, this is proof that the Bible teaches false ideas and you shouldn't believe the Bible. And, and And he went on with the rest of his lecture. And in my mind, I thought to myself, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. You see, if you look at what is going on in this passage, 1 Chronicles 16, 30 to 34, this is a song that King David of Israel has written. It's a worship song that he is telling all his people to sing as worship to God. And so it contains all sorts of poetic, anthropomorphic language to describe how creation is responding to God. So, for example, in verse 33, why don't you go to verse 33 with me, and you can look at verse 33, which says, Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. And see, do you ever see or hear of a critic of the Bible saying, look, class, you see what verse 33 says? It's teaching wrong ideas. See, the Bible teaches that trees sing. Have you ever seen a tree sing? And see, but that's what's going on, is that, you know, many critics of the Bible, they like to do what's called quote mining. Take a Bible verse and forget about the context, forget about how it's written, why it's written, the purpose or the meaning behind it, and you just take it and you just take it in isolation and treat that as on its own and say, oh yeah, it's, it's teaching false ideas. See, that's not what's going on. If you ever see something in the Bible that seems like a contradiction or seems like, oh, there's something strange or something interesting going on there, it is so important for you to understand one thing, understand the context. Everyone say, understand the context. In other words, take a step back, and before you draw any other conclusions, look at what's written before, and look at what's written after. Is this history? Is this poetry? Is this a statement on scientific fact? What is going on here? And can I tell you, what you're looking at is a song, a worship song that's full of poetic language. And so David, when he writes this, he's not talking about scientific facts. He's talking about how we were meant to worship God. And in fact, if you look closely at verse 30, it's not actually teaching a false idea. In fact, I'm going to put it to you today that it is teaching you an incredibly powerful truth about how to experience God's peace when you're stressed. Do you know what I think the better interpretation of verse 30 is? Do you guys want to know? Let me tell you what verse 30 is. Go back to verse 30. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let me tell you what I think the better interpretation of verse 30 is. Get this, get ready, okay? It might blow your mind. When the world, i.e. the people of the world, 
tremble before the Lord, i.e. when the world, the people of the world, worship God, love God, focus on him, make him the center. It causes something to happen in their lives. We become strong. We become unmovable. We will not be shaken. And let me put it another way, and you can write this down today. When you tremble before God, you won't shake before people. Amen. When you tremble before God, you won't shake before circumstances. In fact, let me break it down even more for you in case you're not getting it yet. Why don't you write this down? When you tremble before God, you won't be easily shaken by difficult people or difficult circumstances. That is the truth that verse 30 is talking about. In other words, there is a strength. There is a stability. There is a peace that we experience in life that we would not otherwise have when we tremble before God. When we make God our focus. When we make God the center of our lives, you're going to find this, is when God is not in your life, when he's not your focus, you'll be very prone to panic and worry. You will find that you are very unstable. You move in all sorts of frantic directions. And, you know, very often we don't tremble before the Lord. You know what we do? We often do the opposite. We will, you know, tremble before our circumstances. We'll tremble before our problems. Oh, I got a midterm this week. Oh, say, uh... Or, oh, oh, no, my, my, my girlfriend's about to break up with me. Oh, oh, and, 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 or, or, oh, there's a health crisis. Oh, I don't have enough money. Oh, oh. And we, we not physically shake, but inside there's this trepidation. Inside there's this anxiety. Inside we're trembling. And then we go to church, and we're, in, we're, we're worshiping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and we're just like, eh, not really moved. Right? Has that ever happened to you? You're trembling before your circumstances. Oh, my circumstances are so big. My, my problems are so huge. They're so great. How great is my problem? How great is my problem? And then you go to church. You hear the promises of God. You, you look upon who God is. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I, do I really need this right now? And see, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If you want to experience God's peace, it's about understanding that when you tremble before the Lord, not your circumstances. When you make God your focus, when you make God the center of your life, when you say, God, I'm going to put my attention on you, I'm going to focus and trust in you more than I trust in anything else, when I do that, when I tremble before the Lord, all the earth, then I can look at the circumstances around me and go, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, meh, no big deal. Amen. Does that make sense in this place this morning? It's about learning to tremble before the Lord. Turn to your and say, I was made to tremble before the Lord. Amen. That's what we're talking about today. And see, not just First Chronicles, but other parts of Scripture will talk about how we need to tremble before the Lord. For example, look at Psalm 96, verse 9. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three. It says, worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Everyone say, tremble before him. Psalm 2, 11. Read it with me. It says, serve the Lord with reverent fear. Rejoice with trembling. Everyone say, rejoice with trembling. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, read it with me in a loud voice, 1, 2, 3, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Everyone say, with fear and trembling. See, over and over, the Bible says you want to tremble before God. In other words, if you want to experience God's peace in stressful situations, it's about learning to tremble more before God than over any circumstance in your life. What does it mean to tremble before God? Does it mean that you literally have to shake in God's presence? I have a friend who shakes in God's presence, but does that mean you have to do the same thing? No, not necessarily. But you know, what, what does it mean? What, what does it mean to tremble before God? Does it mean that you need, need to be terrified of God as if you always feel like God is out to get you, out to attack you? You don't even dare open the Bible. Every time you open the Bible, you're like, uh, ah! And, and, and just, you, don't, you, want to, you want to get close to the Bible and because you're, you're trembling before God? Is that what it means to tremble before God? Let me tell you that. That's not what it means to tremble before God. Let me tell you what it means to tremble before God. Write this down. See, to tremble before God means to have such a high view of God to have such a high view of who God is, that there's no one you trust in more, there's no one you focus on more. Amen. Am I making sense in this place? Are you guys alive in this place today? 
It's about saying that I'm going to make God my number one focus in life. I'm not going to trust in anything or anyone else. I'm not going to focus in anything or anyone more than I focus on God. It means to have such a high view of God that nothing else compares. No problem, no experience, no person, nothing compares to him. And because nothing compares to him, there is no one I want to please more than God. There's no one I want to hear from more than God. There's no one I want to experience more than God. That's what happens when you tremble before the Lord. See, and what happens when you tremble before the Lord? You won't shake before people. You won't be so easily shaken up by bad circumstances or, you know, unpleasant surprises or challenges that you don't know how to overcome because there is all of a sudden a confidence and a peace on your life. Why don't you write this down? When you tremble before God, the effect on your life is God's peace and confidence on your life. See, I remember many, many years ago when Thrive Church was probably about three or four years old, uh, I received a, a very threatening letter uh, that was addressed to me and some of my family members. And uh, I remember one family member got the letter before I did. And they called me and said, JB, did you read this letter? She was really scared, really kind of stressed about it. Did you hear what they said, what, what they, what they want to do? And, and, and I hadn't read the letter yet. I had, it in, I had, I had the envelope in my hand. And uh, I decided I was going to go home and read it. But before I opened up the letter, I decided I was going to go into the laundry room and just have just a private time with God. You know how sometimes, you know, you're in that space where you just need to be alone with God? I was in that space that day. And I went to the laundry room, and I did something. I said to God, I said, God, I don't know what's in this letter. I don't know what's, what, what, what this envelope contains. I don't know what this message says. But I do know this. I know that whatever is in this letter is nothing compared to you. That whatever is in this letter you are far, far greater than. You guys are really quiet today. Amen? Amen? And what happened is, you know, I, I said, okay, whatever is in here, I proclaim, this is not going to control me. You're going to control me. This is not going to have the best of me. You're going to have the best of me. And after I made that prayer and I opened up the letter, and yeah, there were some threatening statements that were made. There was some, you know, scary language that they used. But because I'd taken the time to tremble before God, all of a sudden, I could just lay this letter down and go, you know what? It's cool. Let's just move on. Let's keep on going. And praise God, that incident that was being threatened never materialized. And we just kept on going with church. We just kept on going as we did. God continued to bless. You know, God continued to use our ministry. And, you know, people continued to come to Jesus. And as a result, to this day, we've never seen anything come of that. So give God a big, big hand for that. Give God some praise in this place. Give him a shout as well. Come on. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What would have otherwise probably scared me, what would have otherwise probably really gotten me very anxious, for some reason didn't shake me very much at all because I learned to tremble before the Lord. Do you tremble before the Lord? See, why don't you write this down? When you tremble before God, the effect is you've got this can-do attitude toward the challenges that you face. Do you have a can-do attitude when you, you know, face certain challenges? You know, someone gives you an assignment, you get a project, or there's a challenge that all of a sudden comes up you have to deal with. Are you like, oh, I can do it, no worries, we'll deal with it, God is with us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or is your reaction, oh no, oh, we're going to die, oh, this is going to be the end of us, oh, we're going to fail, how are we, gonna man- how are we possibly going to manage to do this? See, when you tremble before the Lord, and you focus your attention on God, and you have such a high view of who he is, and what he means to you, and what he can do in your life, then you can look at challenges that you face, even ones you don't expect, and go, you know what, it's cool, we're going to get through it, we're going to deal with it, because when you tremble before God, the effect is a can-do attitude toward the challenges you face, if you believe that, say, Amen. Look at Psalm 16, verse 8 with me in the place. Right now it says, one, two, three, I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Stop right there. Read that. Look, look at this just, just on your own, just really quietly. Just look at this one more time. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, this is David talking one more time. And what is he saying? He's saying, because I've got God in front of me. Because I put him in front of me. Because my attention is on him. My focus is on him. My trust is on him. Because I worship him and not my circumstances. Then I can look at my other circumstances and say, I will not be shaken. In fact, when you look at verses 9 through 11, it talks about the results that come to someone who learns to tremble before God. Look at verse 9 with me. Read it with me. It says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Stop right there. Stop right there. Everyone say, my heart. My heart is glad. Everyone say my tongue. My tongue rejoices. Everyone say my body. 
my body also rests secure. What is it telling you? Is that when you trust in Jesus, when you have God as the center of your life, when you learn to tremble before him, what ends up happening is that your heart has gladness. Your tongue has joy. You know, it changes the way you speak. And not just that, but your body is resting secure. If you want gladness, joy, and security, the key is learning to tremble before God. Write this down. When you tremble before God, you can experience God's peace when you're stressed. If you want to know God's peace in a stressful time, learn to tremble before God. Now, what does that look like? What do we mean by how do you go about trembling before God? Why don't you look at Philippians 2, 12 with me right now. This is such an important verse. Read it with me in loud voice. One, two, three. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And see, If you have your Bibles in front of you, I want you to underline those words from Philippians 2. Such important verses. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Does that mean that you need to work for your salvation? Does that mean that you have to earn your salvation? Does that mean that you have to go out of your way to try to do good things until you can finally get brownie points from God and say, yeah, you know, that salvation belongs to you, you've earned it? No, no, no. We can do nothing to earn our salvation. It's a gift that God gives us through Jesus Christ alone by faith. But what it's saying is this, is that your relationship with God is a gift that God gives to you. It's like a muscle that he's given to you that you need to work out, just like you're working out any muscle, just like your quads, just like your biceps, just like this pectoral, you know, it's, it's just about doing that. It's about working it out with fear and trembling. So what does that look like today? Well, let me tell you this. You know, during vacation, Pastor Charlene, Bradley, and I went to California a few weeks ago. And it was nice just to be in a bit warmer weather, you know. It's cold today, right? Yeah, it's kind of cold. And we went to California for just a couple of weeks. And during that time, you know, Pastor Charlene, she decided she's going to go take an exercise class. It was a legs and core workout. And she's like, hey, you want to come? And, uh, you, know, I, you know, me and my cockiness, I thought, I go to the gym like three times a week, you know. I don't know if I need to do this, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. Sure, sure, wife. Yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Sure, Char, we'll, we'll, I'll go with you. Yeah, let, let's, see, let's see what this, this legs and core class is all about. You know, let, let's just see, you know, how hard it is. And in my, in my mind, I thought to myself, yeah, this is going to be like a cinch. And, and so we go to the, do the, legs core, the, the legs and core class. And when we do the legs and core class, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm working out parts of my body that I didn't even know existed. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, Char's doing fine, and I'm, like, screeching in pain. I'm and the next day it was even more painful i'm like i'm like i'm I'm barely able to walk because i'm so sore from those exercises and shara's like what's wrong with you and it was because I was learning to work out muscles that I didn't know I even had. And in the same way today, when it comes to learning to tremble before God, I've got a treat for you this morning. I want to give you guys a couple exercises. We call them A-E-I-O-U, spiritual workout exercises that you can do anywhere you are. You know, in any kind of context, any kind of environment, two exercises that you can do wherever you are to help you experience God's peace when you're stressed. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? I should have asked you to bring some like sweatpants and some, 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 some runners. I should have worn them myself. But let me tell you what these two are. You can just take some good notes today. And just to give you a bit of a hint on what these, these, uh, these exercises are about, you know, Psalm 16 says, you know, my tongue, sorry, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. The, there's actually three exercises. We're just going to look at two today. But the three that we're talking about, one has to do with your heart, one has to do with your tongue, and the one has to do with the rest of your body, namely your butt. All right, and we're going to talk about two of them today. We're going to look at another very important one next week. But here are two spiritual workout exercises to help you tremble before God and experience this peace. Are you guys ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, the sit down. The first exercise I want to teach you is called the sit down. Everyone say the sit down. How does this work? Well, let me show you the biblical basis for the sit down first in case you're wondering. Psalm 46 verse 10, read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Everyone say, be still and know. Amen. All right, next one we're going to look at is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is the sit-down? Well, let me tell you what the sit-down is. See, how do you do the sit-down? 
Let me, let me just demonstrate. You've got to watch very, very carefully because th this, this is a complicated move, all right? You, you might miss it, okay, if you're not careful. So you might even want to take a video of this just in case you won't miss it. But here we go, all right? Okay, so someone's taking a video. Okay, great. Okay, so here we go. Ready, ready, ready? This is called the sit-down. Ready? Okay, watch, 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 watch. I'll, I'll do it in slow motion just in case. All right, ready? Go. Okay, all right, okay, 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 good, good. Okay, okay, uh, just in case you miss it, one more, one more time. Okay, I, I know it's tough, I know it's tough. Okay, here we go. Okay, okay, all right, okay, okay. Let, let, let me do it as like maybe an older person, maybe you're not as flexible. Here, here, here's how it goes, it goes, you go. Okay, all right, all right, what is that? That is called the sit down. Everyone say the sit down. And what is the sit down? See, the sit down is where you don't just sit down. But you do something as you sit down. What do you do? When you do the sit down, what you're doing is you want to spend unhurried time sitting still in God's presence. And as you sit in the presence of God, you're worshiping him. You're giving God thanks. You're giving your cares and your burdens to him. And you're expressing your need for him. And you know, this is different from reading your Bible necessarily. You know, this might not even involve your Bible time yet. This is just you and God where you sit in his presence and you spend unhurried time with him. You know, I don't know if about you, but life for me can sometimes get kind of busy and stressful. Sometimes I feel like I'm being pulled in all sorts of different directions. And so the sit down is actually, believe it or not, it is the most important thing I do every day. It is the most important thing I can do every day. Because when I don't do the sit down, I find I'm more easily irritable. I find that I get annoyed more easily. I find that I get more stressed out easily. I find that I'm, I'm quicker to lose my temper. I find that, you know, I, I'm just not as joyful overall. And, and I worry more. In fact, last week, it was one, one, one of those weeks when I didn't really do the sit down as much as I usually do. And as a result, you just asked Pastor Sharp, I was a lot more irritable last week. I wasn't easy to get along with. And it's because I didn't spend that unhurried time just being still in God. God's presence. And I can tell you, it is the most important thing I can do every day. It's where I'm reminded of who God is. It's where I sense the presence of God. It's where I get to recalibrate my heart and my mind. Sometimes I'll ask the Holy Spirit a question, and it's when I do the sit down that I hear him speaking to my heart. It's where I process and digest the words he has spoken to me. And I do this whenever I'm stressed, whenever I'm needing direction, whenever I'm feeling like my life is a bit out of control, whenever I feel like I need some you know, guidance in a certain area, I will just do the sit down. Everyone say the sit down. And when I come out of the sit down, I always find I come out rested, I come out refreshed, I come out joyful, I come out more confident, and I come out at peace. In fact, I call the sit down my power position. It's because I find that there's nothing that allows me to experience the power and the peace of God quite like when I sit in the presence of God. Problems that used to feel like they were over my head all of a sudden seem more like they're under my feet when I do the sit down. And you know, oftentimes, you know, my best ideas come in a sit down. It's like, you know, some, and I'll, I'll tell you this, is that the sermons that I preach to you guys Sunday after Sunday, about 80% or 75% of those sermons is just done in a sit down. It's, it's not me and a computer, you know, just, just slaving away, but it's me just spending unhurried time being still in God's presence going, what do you want to say to Thrive this Sunday? What do you want to do in their lives today? It's about doing the sit down. Everyone say the sit down. Have you ever done the sit down? Do you do the sit down as a regular thing? See, here's some examples in the Bible of people doing the sit down. Look at 1 Chronicles 17, 16 with me. Read in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. We're reading First Chronicles right now in our game time, and uh, you're going to notice that you know, King David, he's received these amazing words from God. And he doesn't just go, oh, that's nice, and just moves on. What he does is after he receives the word of God, he sits down before the Lord, and he digests the words that have been spoken to him. He's doing the sit down. Look at Luke 10, 38 to 42. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from here. What's going on? There's a very famous passage in the Bible. You've got two sisters. Everyone say two sisters. 
You got Mary, you got Martha. They're two sisters, and they are hosting Jesus in their home. And Martha, she's a busybody. She's all panicky and stressed about all these errands she has to run, all these commitments she has to fulfill, all the, 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 the tough schedule she has to run. And, and, she, and she's just, just pulling her hair out. She's kind of like a, a chicken with a head cut off. And, and you've got Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to what he has to say. Now, don't get me wrong. In the church, we need Marthas and we need Marys. Amen. We need people who are contemplative. We need people who, who love to get things done. In fact, I believe in every one of you, there needs to be a Mary and a Martha. Amen? You can't just be all Mary all the time. And you can't be Martha all the time. You need you know, this, this ability to do, the, to, 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 to do both. On one hand, it's to spend time sitting in God's presence. And on the other hand, it's about getting things done, being a person of your word, you know, keeping your commitments, doing things that are effective. And, and that's, that's the thing that I believe God wants all of us to have, a Mary and Martha inside each of us. But here's the thing. What can we learn from this particular story today? It's that Jesus says to Martha... Martha, Martha. And note this. Whenever Jesus says your name twice, it means you're in trouble. Okay? If he says, Jenny, Jenny. If he says, oh, Jason, Jason. You know, if he says, you know, Lester, Lester. You'll get ready because what he has to say next is very, very important. And let me tell you this right now. Is what Jesus said to Martha was a lesson for each of us as well. She said, he, says, he says to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed. Your sister Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. In other words, it's not that the stuff you want to do and you're trying to get done, it's not that these things are not important, but there's something that's even more important. There's something that's even better that you need to be doing right now, which is sitting at my feet. Do the sit down. Everyone say the sit down. And let me ask this question today. Right now, February Four. Oh, sorry, February 11, right? February 11, 2018. Which one are you more like? Are you more like Mary or are you like Martha? Are you like a chicken with their head cut off? You're just worried about all these different things, worried and upset about many things? Or are you taking the time to be like Mary and to do the sit down, to sit in the presence of God? Well, you can have worship music going on or maybe not. You can you know, sit down and just spend time unhurried in God's presence and feel the presence of God again. When you do that, that's how you experience God's peace when you are stressed. If you believe that, say amen. How often do you spend time just sitting before the Lord? You're going to find that how stressed you are is directly related to how much you sit before the Lord. If you are someone who doesn't sit before the Lord very much, you're probably very, very stressed. You probably are very, very anxious. You might not show it to other people, but deep down inside, there is a deep down under the surface anxiety that you carry wherever you go. You can deal with that when you go into the sit down. You know, I find that whenever I go through a day when I don't do the sit down, it really shows. How long should you do the sit down for? As long as it takes. For me, sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Whatever it takes, however long I need to spend in God's presence so I can feel his peace again. Now, you'd be like, oh, JB, do I have to sit? Can, 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 I, can I do, can I stand? Can, can I lie down? Let me tell you this. I do the sit down because I want to be comfortable, but I don't want to be too comfortable. Amen? Sure, you can pray when you're lying down. Sure, you can pray when you're standing up. But when you want to spend extended, intimate time with God, you stand. Sorry, you sit. Amen. 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 And that's what we're learning today. Is this helpful in this place today? It's about learning to do the sit-down. So if you're doing your game time challenge right now, and very often your, your Bible seems a little bit like homework right now, can I give you a little piece of advice? Do the sit-down. Before you even open your Bible, spend time, unhurried time in God's presence, where you can give God your burdens, where you can talk to God. Just, be, just spend intimate time with him, being alone in his presence. Be still and know that he is God. When you do the sit-down, you're on your way to experiencing God's peace. Is this helpful in this place? Amen. Number two, and we're going to close. The second exercise, the second spiritual workout exercise I have for you today, if you want to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, if you want to tremble before God and experience his peace, the second one I call it the hope in. The hope in. We've got some cool kind of Olympic kind of graphics today. I like this graphic. You know, it's kind of like doing this. My hope is in you. And see, that's very much what the hope in is all about. If you find that you are the kind of person who gets very easily caught up in people issues, you find that you're often anxious about a relationship. You're often worried about that person and how they think of you and, 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 and what you think of them. And, and you're just constantly thinking about those things. Then this exercise is especially helpful for you. How do you do the hoping? It's really simple. Why don't you write this down? To do the hoping, all you have to do is say to the Lord, my hope is not in X. My hope 
is in you. In other words, my hope is not in that thing that I'd otherwise put my hope in. My hope is in you. When you say, my hope is not in X, what you're saying is, my happiness, my confidence, those things don't depend on X. These things depend on someone much more faithful, much stronger, and much more reliable than X. His name is Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big hand here in this place. It's about doing the hope in. For example, say, you know, you're really concerned about whether or not you're going to get into that school that you applied for. You know, when you do the hope and you're saying, Lord, my hope is not in whether or not we get in this school. My hope is in you because all authority comes from you. Amen. You know, say you're, you know, really concerned about this one guy or girl liking you back. And you just got this big crush on this person and you're like, oh, I love this girl or I love this guy. Why won't they take you know, pay attention to me, and, and you're just like, and, and you're thinking about them all the time, and every day you, you got them on your mind, you're like, ah. and you're just really hoping for a response. You know, if you want to do, if you find that it's kind of taking up too much of your thought and your emotion and your heart, you can do the hope in. You can say, Lord, my hope is not in that girl or that girl liking me back or her, you know, reciprocating the way I feel, but my hope is in you. Amen. Say you've got a business deal or you've got a presentation that's coming up and you know you need God's help. You can say, God, Lord, I know my hope is not in my own abilities, my own smarts, my own plan, my own experience, but my hope is in you. You're doing the hope in. Say, you know, you're really kind of worried about your future and you're just really concerned what's going to happen. You have a plan, but you're not sure if it's going to happen. You can say to God, Lord, my hope is not in in things going the way I plan. My hope is in you. It's saying, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be so confident up in my stuff, my plans, my preferences, that I'm not open to you. Instead, I'm going to put my attention, my trust, my faith, and my focus in who you are, knowing that you will work things out better than I could have ever done myself. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It's called doing the hope in. Everyone say the hope in. And maybe there's someone who's bothering you right now. You know, someone who you're just not getting along with right now. You can say, God, my hope is not in that person or how this person treats me. My hope is in you. Look at Psalm 39, 6 and 7. This is one example of someone doing the hope in. Read it with me in a loud voice. It says, we are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Everyone say, my only hope is in you. Psalm 42, verse 5, what does it say? It says, read it with me, it says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Everyone say, put your hope in God. See, who's writing this? It's a group called the Sons of Korah. They were like a boy band, I think, back in the Old Testament times, the Sons of Korah. And, and they, they're writing the song where they say, why so downcast, O my soul? What's going on? They're talking to themselves. You know, sometimes you need to talk to yourself. Sometimes you might be sitting in service and you're just not really spiritually waking up yet. It has nothing to do with the preacher. It has nothing to do with the sound system. It has nothing to do with the worship band. But it has everything to do with just your attitude. And sometimes you just go, wake up, man. JB, wake up right now. Or sometimes maybe you're going through the day and you're just not, you know, you're not, you're just not feeling it. Or you're just, not, you're just not in the zone like you need to be. And sometimes you just go, you're going to go, dude, it's time to wake up. Wake up, oh my soul, awake. David says that. He says, he says, my soul, awake. Awake right now. And here, the sons of Korah are doing the same thing. They're talking to themselves. Saying, oh, 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 why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. What are they doing? They're doing the hope in. Everyone say the hope in. See, how does doing the hope in exercise help you experience God's peace when you're stressed? Can I tell you why? It's because, look at me right now, the reason why you may be so unhappy, stressed, frustrated, anxious right now is because without even realizing it, you've placed your hope in something or someone other than God. You've placed your hope in a person. You've hope, placed your hope in a plan. You've placed your hope in a dream. You've placed your hope in some kind of situation you hope will turn out a certain way. And you've got so much in there. You've got so much of yourself in it that you've, it's basically taken over God in your life. And now, if you had to be really honest with yourself, your hope is not in God. Your hope is in that person. Your hope is in that circumstance. And you know what happens when you put your hope in people and circumstances? Write this down. When I put my hope in circumstances or in people, the effect is stress, worry, and anxiety. If you believe that, say amen. See, when you do this exercise called the hope in, what you're doing is you're reaffirming your faith in God. 
You're saying, I know that no matter how difficult the situation is, I know no matter how much I care about that person, that at the end of the day, my life doesn't depend on that person. My life does not depend on that situation. My life doesn't depend on things going my way. My happiness, my contentment, my confidence, and my peace, those things don't depend on these external circumstances that can change in an instant. They depend on the one who never changes. His name is Jesus. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. When you do the hope in, you're saying, I'm not going to just keep on focusing and trembling in front of that circumstance or that person that's weighing so much on me. No, you are saying, my hope is in you, Lord. And I'm going to tremble before you. And when I tremble before you, I don't need to tremble before any circumstance anymore. If you believe that, say amen. You know, for example, this past week, I was waiting for some important news from someone. And uh, I, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. Started getting mad because I'm like, why is the message not come yet? Started checking my phone, you know, every other minute. And was I at peace? No, I was not at peace. Was I stressed? I was stressed. And then I realized something, which is, JB, look, you are putting way too much hope in this situation. You're putting way too much focus and attention on that person and, and whether they give you that oh, a message and what kind of message they give you. And so you know what I did? I decided to do the hope in. And I said, you know, right there and then, I said, Lord, my hope is not in that person. My hope is not in them sending the message. My hope is not in what kind of message they send. My hope is not in how they respond. My hope is in you. And when I made that decision, when I did the hope in, all of a sudden, you know what? I could go through the rest of the day at peace, not so much worrying about what I was worrying about before. I could go to the gym and just do a good workout. I could go home and enjoy spending time with my family. I could go on to do other things without being so distracted but what, by what I was previously putting my hope in. And, you know, when that message finally came that day, I was like, you know what, just to, just to kind of rub it in the enemy's face a little bit more, I said, you know, I don't even have to look at that message right now, you know. I, I, I've got other things I can do. And so I just, I just left it there for a couple hours. I did my own thing, and then I looked at the message. Oh, okay, all right, no big deal. See, what's that, what is that? That's doing the hope in. It's realizing, you know what, there's no one you need to tremble in front of more than you need to tremble before God. And when you tremble before God, you won't tremble or shake by circumstances that are difficult or people that are tough. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. When should you do the hope in? Well, whenever you find yourself stressed. Whenever you find that you are starting to worry. Whenever you find that your heart is getting a little bit more attached to something or someone than you are to God. When you do the hope in, you can do it anywhere you are. You can say it out loud. In fact, I encourage you to say it out loud. Because, you know, something happens when you use the power of your spoken word. You know, the reason why God created the heavens and the earth by saying, let there be light, was to show us that the number one reason that we have, you know, language is not communication, it's creation. It's to show that, you know, what we do with our words creates our worlds. And if you will use your spoken word to say, God, my hope is not in that situation. My hope is not in what result comes. My hope is not in my performance. My hope is not in those people. My hope is in you because all these other things are going to come and go, but you will never change and you will always remain and you will always be there. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. You're doing the hope in. Am I making sense in this place right now? Praise God. You know, for some of you today, the reason why you're so unhappy right now is because you've got the focus on all the wrong things. You, the, the center of your life has, has shifted from God to something much less than God. And as a result, you are so stressed. As a result, you are irritable. As a result, you are not fun to be around right now. And if that's you in this place, I believe the Holy Spirit brought you here to church to say to you, it's time to put your hope in me again. Stop putting your hope in something that's not going to last. Stop putting your hope in someone who's much, much less, who's, who's much, much less than I am. Focus on me. Don't let your life be something that completely depends on that circumstance because it doesn't. It doesn't. It depends on me. Amen. Tell presses you, your life depends on God. Your life depends on God. You know, later this week in your game time, as you read First Chronicles, you're going to find there's this really fascinating story where King David, he's the king of Israel, and he decides to do something that really shocks a lot of people. He decides that he wants to count the number of soldiers he has in his army. Now, you might think that's not a really big deal, but you know, God looked at that action and that attitude. He wasn't pleased. In fact, he would discipline David severely for it. And you might be like, what's the big deal of counting? Like, I'm just counting. See, the thing is this. There's nothing wrong with counting numbers or counting the number of people. But see, where David sinned was in why he wanted to count. See, David's sin 
was that he was placing his hope so much more in the, in the number of people that he had or the number of people who were fighting for him than in the God that he had and the God who was fighting for him. And as a way to discipline David, God would invest, orchestrate circumstances such that David would end up losing 70,000 of those people very, very suddenly. And what's the lesson here? It's that when you put your hope in something much less than God, you will only be very stressed and you'll be disappointed. Don't put your hope in people or circumstances which will change all of a sudden. Put your hope in God who never changes and who's always fighting for you. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place. You know he's worthy of it. Give him some praise. Give him a shout as well. Come on. I said give God a big shout in this place right now. Come on. You know how stress happens? Stress happens when you allow your happiness to depend on a person that's not God or a circumstance that's not God and that's subject to change. But God wants, what he wants you to do is experience his peace. And you know how peace happens? Peace happens when you put your focus and your dependence and your hope in the God who never changes. Why don't you write this down? When I put my hope in Jesus, when I put my hope in God, the effect on my life is peace and confidence. If you believe that, say amen. Psalm 25, 4 to 5, one of our last verses today. Read with me in the big, loud voice. What does it say? It says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. If I were some of you guys, I'd grab Psalm 25 in your Bibles. I'd underline those words. My hope is in you all day long. You're doing the hope in. Reminding yourself, my hope is not in that person, that thing, that situation, my hope is in him all day long. You know, this past week I was singing a song to myself. It's one of my favorite songs from way back. It's an old school, old school worship song from Hillsong, Australia. It goes like this. It goes, show me your ways that I may walk with you. Show me your ways I put my hope in you. The cry of my heart is to love you more, to live with the touch of your hand, stronger each day. Show me your way. And you know, the reason why I sang that song was it was me trying to do the hope in. It was a reminder to me that my hope is in you. Show me your ways. I put my hope in you. And so saying that the cry of my heart is to love you more, to live with the touch of your hand stronger each day. Do you know when you put your hope in God, something happens. You not only receive his peace, but you receive his strength too. You get stronger with every day. You don't have to live so weak, trembling before every problem you face. But all of a sudden you have this can-do attitude toward the circumstance you face. You don't tremble so much before people because you're already trembling before the King of Kings. And that song was a reminder that we were made to put our hope in Jesus. And when we do, we get stronger each day. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It's what happens when we put our hope in Jesus. You know, you know that a person is maturing whether it's in your small group or it's in your home or it's the person you're married to or it's even yourself, you know that that person is maturing. When that person places their hope no longer in circumstances, but they place their hope in Jesus. In fact, that's what salvation is all about. In fact, going to heaven, having salvation, being forgiven of our sins, you know, that's what salvation is all about. Salvation, write this down. Salvation happens when we place our hope not in ourselves, not in our performance, not in our circumstances, but in Jesus. Salvation happens when we don't just rely on a feeling or we rely on our mood or we rely on our circumstances or we rely on, oh yeah, I'm a good person. I'm a good enough person. God knows I'm a good person. But we realize, you know, there's nothing I can do. There's no, there's no point in putting my hope in any of those things because I can never reach God on my own. I'm not God. But I'm going to put my hope in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. I'm going to put my hope in Jesus, the only one who rose from the grave. And when I do so, I experience salvation. Everyone say salvation. But it's not just salvation. It's happiness. It's contentment. It's peace for your life. It's enjoying your life. It's having confidence. These things happen when we place our hope not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in our feelings, not in our performance, but when we place our hope in Jesus. So here's a question for us as we end this morning. What are you putting your hope in today? What are you putting your hope in today? If I had to be really honest with you and you had to be really honest with me, what is the thing that you are tempted to place your hope in other than God? 
Is it a person? Is it a relationship? Is it a dream? Is it a plan? Is it a circumstance? See, if you are having a tough time right now in life, if there's a relationship right now that you're just going through some tough times in, if you've put your hope in people and been disappointed, if you've experienced some kind of rejection in the past, then you need to do the hope in. You need to say to God, God, my hope is not in that person. My hope is not in the past. My hope is not in the future. My hope is not in the circumstance. My hope is not in my plans. My hope is in you. And when you do that, all of a sudden you're able to love God in a healthy way. You're able to love people in a healthy way. You're not so attached to everything and everyone, but you can just love them and just love them and just love them because your hope is in Jesus. If you receive this word, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give him a shout in this place right now. He's with you. He loves you. He wants you to experience him. Let's just read this last verse today. Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. It says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Can we rise up right now? Let's stand right now. We're just going to respond to God in this place. You guys have been awesome this morning. You guys are an awesome church. God is doing some great things through you individually and through us as a church family. And right now, we're just going to invite you to come and just respond to God so you can experience his peace in whatever situation you might be in today. So I'm going to invite the, the, the band to play. We're going to sing. And let's just do this as we sing the song. This is our way of doing the hoping right now. It's our way of saying, God, my hope is in you. Let's do that together right now. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Don't be a distraction to your neighbor either. Here in this place, the house of God, I'm just here to ask you this question today, which is, do you want to experience more of God's peace today? And today I just want to specifically pray for people who are in this place and you've maybe been to church before, you maybe have read a bit of the Bible before, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus before. You've never said, Jesus, I see what you've done on the cross for me and I receive it today. I receive your forgiveness into my life. I receive you as my Savior. And if you've never done that before, then you know, you've learned and we've been learning today that before you can experience much of the peace of God, you have to make peace with God. And if you've never made peace with God and there's still some sins in your life that you've hung on to and never asked God to, to forgive you of those sins, then I believe God is here in this place by his Holy Spirit and he wants to make peace with you. He don't, doesn't want you to be an enemy of his anymore. He wants to be a friend. And uh, if you want to receive Jesus in your life today and have that brand new start, I want you to pray this prayer with me, and I'm going to invite those of you who've received Jesus before, you can pray this prayer with those who are praying for the first time right now. I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. I've been your enemy, but you call me a friend. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I didn't deserve that, but you did it anyway. And so I receive that gift, the gift of your forgiveness and the gift of a relationship with you. Would you come into my life and would you be my savior? I want to follow you. I want a relationship with you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you're now a child of God. You're now a royal heir in his kingdom. You're now a priest in his house. Let's give God a big, big hand for all that he's done today. And for those who have received Jesus into your life, we've got a gift we want to give you later on. But before we do that, right now we want to pray for those of you who want to experience more of God's peace in your life. You might be going through a stressful situation, an uncertain future. God's peace has been made available to you when we tremble before him. So right now, with your heads bowed, never eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to respond this way. You know, we were in two exercises today on how we can experience God's peace. And we talked about how to tremble before him. We looked, looked, talked about doing the sit down. I want you to go and go home today and do the sit down. I want you to try to find time every day to do the sit down this coming week and just see the difference that it'll make in your life. You might feel like your muscles are being stretched, but you might be a little sore after one or two. But as you do that more and more, you're gonna find that God's peace is a reality, not just a dream. We're gonna do the hope in right now. And since you're standing up right now, I'm going to invite you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to, to practice doing this exercise called the hope in, where we say, God, my hope is not in X. In X, you can just fill in the blank. It could be a person that you've been really, just really obsessed over, or a situation you've really been obsessing over. And you say, my hope is not in that. My hope is in you. 
if, if that's you in this place and you know you need to do that today, why don't you lift your hands to God right now. Don't even wait for me to count to three. Just start lifting your hands to God right now. Lift your hands to heaven right now. And let's just put our hope in God today. Let's do the hope in together. In your own words, just start talking to God right now. From your heart, just start talking to God right now. Say, God, my hope is not in that person. My hope is not in that circumstance. My hope is not in that plan. My hope is not in that dream. My hope is not in things going my way. My hope is in you because you're far greater than those things. Come on, church, just start talking to God right now. Fill this place with your prayers. Fill this place with your prayers. Fill this place with your praises right now. Just say that, God, you are my hope. Nothing else, no one else. You alone, you alone, you alone are my hope. Only you, only you, God. No one else but you. No one else but you, God. No one else but you, Lord. Only you. Jesus, be my hope. You are my hope. No one else. I'm going to live for you. No one else. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Welcome you, God. Welcome you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We're putting our hope in you today. We're putting our hope in you finally. We're putting our hope in you. It's about time. We're putting our hope in you. Thank you, God. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that I was made not to tremble before people or to tremble before problems or to tremble before circumstances, but I was made to tremble before you and only you. And so I t say, to say today, my hope is not in and just you fill in the blank right now, whatever it is, whatever it is that grabs your heart more often than it should, whatever person it is that, that you just get so caught up in, whatever situation it is that you get so caught up in, you say, God, my hope is not in that. And you say this, my hope is in you. My hope is in you, Jesus, because you never change and you never fail and you are always there. My hope is in you. Thank you that when I tremble before you, I won't be easily shaken by anything, by any person, by any problem, by any circumstance. But instead, when I tremble before you, I gain confidence and I have your peace. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I shouldn't have to tell you to give thanks to God. You should be doing that right now because he's given you peace. He is your hope. Give him the praise he deserves. Come on, church. Come on.